Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Option Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, Richard. I'm coming to you from on the road. It's probably very noisy and lots of traffic here. And I may fall off the the show at any moment, but I'll try to get back on. (laughs) We have such an important guest today. I wanted to make a special effort to be here. We have a guest who's very, very interested in natural health, like the rest of us, and that he thinks it should be in our hands. Dr. Ben Folks will be with us shortly, and we're going to um, ask for audience participation, audience questions. I don't know how they can get in touch with me. I'll try to keep my email open at the same time. There is no um, WebEx today. We are just coming to you live from Blog Talk Radio with Richard in California. And I'm in Nevada someplace. (laughs) We're just coming (laughs) back from... From a big conference, a wonderful conference in history. As most of you know, this show is sponsored by the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health, where we are attempting to prove that the voice can be a diagnostic tool for your issues, past, present, and future. We have proven people with like issues, traumas, genome problems, um, broken bones, whatever, have similar, if not identical, vocal anomalies in their voice. And at this big conference, we just came back from the anti-aging conference in Las Vegas. It was the first time that bioacoustics has been presented at a very large international medical conference. So this is a, a great occasion for us to be accepted like that. I don't have many announcements at all um, because I'm on the road and nobody sent me things that we could announce. So, Richard. <laughs> That's okay. I'm excited. I you. look forward to hearing more. I, I look forward to hearing more probably on Tuesday's show about the conference because I think it is about time. That's exciting to have bioacoustics recognized and acknowledged at an international conference, which I know that anti-aging conference in Vegas is a big, excuse me, Las Vegas, uh, is such a big deal. Um, someday I'm going to get to that conference. Um, I, well, what, I, of course, do the, have... Go ahead, Sherry. One of the things they were very interested in was anti-aging, and they were very impressed with the fact that we could see dementia, uh, which comes with aging, we could see dementia in Robin Williams before it ever manifested. And we knew it before it was ever announced to the public. So I think they're going to take off on that one because there's millions of people now who are suffering from dementia, and we can see it coming years ahead of time through the vocal space. So that's an if it, if they just took one piece, that's an awesome piece of it. That's an awesome piece. There are so many in my five or six years or 12 decades, I'm not sure which it is, that I've been working with Sherry. (laughs) That's one like little piece and it's really, it's all, it's very exciting work. Um, Yeah, we'll get back to that. Uh, First, I do have one announcement because I do want to, I only have one because I really want to get Ben Fuchs in here because he has so much information and such a passion for what he's talking about as well. But I do want to make this announcement about 
as uh, our administration is continuing to say coal mining is the solution and, you know, everything's about coal and, you know, this and that and closing down, you know, taking away sections of national parks so that they can mine it and frack it and do everything they can. Meanwhile, uh, China is building their second. This is a floating solar system. And what that means is that they've flooded an old mining area, a collapsed mining area. So they've flooded it. So it's filled with water and they're floating a solar system on top of that water. One of the advantages of that is that it cools the panels so that they work a little more efficiently. And it's space that was useless because it was a collapsed mine. And this, is, this farm is now the biggest farm in the world. They, this is their second biggest. They had one. This is the bigger so that they're now actually, this is the largest uh, second solar farm on top of a defunct coal mine. And it's going to produce enough power, I'm trying to quickly scan through here, for about 100,000 homes at full capacity. So China is going solar. This is their second large one. And meanwhile, we just seem to be determined to uh, frack everything we can. So I'll put that in the show notes. And yeah. now I really want to get to... Yeah, I'm very excited by that. Solar is really such a powerful ally to sustainability. And uh, I really want to get in with Ben. So uh, natural pharmacist Benjamin Fuchs is a registered pharmacist, nutritionist, and cosmetic chemist. Ben Fuchs holds a BA in broadcast journalism from Syracuse University and a BS in pharmacy from the University of Colorado and has practiced as a registered pharmacist and consulting nutritionist for over 15 years. Ben has, compounding, has been compounding custom medication, formulating nutritional products, and consulting with doctors and patients since graduating from the University of Colorado School of Pharmacy in 1986. Since 91, he's been lecturing nationwide on the importance of the strategic use of cosmetics and nutritional supplementation for healthy skin and bodies. Pharmacist Ben host of The Bright Side, a nationally syndicated radio program on the Genesis Communications radio network, can be heard on GSN Monday through Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Ben joins us to answer questions and be a positive agent for change in our health and well-being. Welcome, Ben. Thank you, Richard. That was a great intro. I appreciate that. Thank you. And it is so true. You're so, I, I've listened to a number of your shows. I've watched some of the stuff you have on, you're on various places on YouTube. And you're really uh, possessed <laughs> in such a <laughs> great a way. way. I mean, really, in, a good way, in yeah. such a great way. And so, not in a Linda Blair way, but in a really great, like, you're right. so passionate about what you're talking about. And you have such a great depth of knowledge uh, from your pharmacological background, so you know about yeah. meds like crazy and drugs. Well, because I, and you know what the, it is, Rich. Richard, it's all chemistry. You know, there's something very powerful about chemistry. Chemistry is really an interesting idea. When you tell people you're a chemist, or you say you're studying organic chemistry, or physical chemistry, or some kind of biochemistry, people get all intimidated, right? And I don't know if I, present company excluded, probably, but out there in the real world, when I tell people I'm a chemist, it sounds really intimidating. But chemistry is nothing more than the science of how things go together. Just you and I talking here, Richard and Sherry, it's that's chemistry. Chemistry is just how two things meet and what happens when they meet and how you can leverage that. 
And so when I, because I understand chemistry, and I like to tell people I'm fluent in chemistry, chemistry is kind of a language, it allows me to understand biochemistry, that is the chemistry of biology. It allows me to understand nutritional chemistry, the chemistry of nutrition, skin chemistry, the chemistry of skin care, formulations chemistry, uh, uh, physics and chemistry, food chemistry, uh, uh, pharmacy chemistry, medicinal chemistry, but all these different fields that you can delve into and be fluent in if you understand the language of chemistry, the basic language of chemistry. And so what I like to do is I like to make it easy for people to understand chemistry because at the end of the day, we are chemical beings. We're biochemical beings. Now, fundamentally, as, uh, as Sherry knows, we're electrical beings. At the very, very core of everything is electricity and electromagnetics. That's how sound works, and that's how, uh, that's how chemistry works, really. But chemistry allows us to access the body in a very, very intimate way because we all breathe, we all eat, we all think. All of these are different ways that we adjust our, our chemistry or we modulate our chemistry. And if we can understand how to tap into our chemistry or even hack into our, our chemistry, we can be so much more powerful, we can be so much uh, healthier, and we can leverage this God-given divine healing energy that we all have access to that is our divine birthright to. And so my mission in life is to help people understand chemistry. The reason I'm passionate about all of this stuff is because I've seen the impact. I've seen diabetes reverse. I've seen cancer go away. I've seen acne that's been around for 20 or 30 years completely disappear. I've seen people get off of all their meds. Not one time, not twice, not three times, hundreds of times. And so I couldn't live with myself if I didn't stand on top of the roof and scream as loud as I could, people, we can be healthy. It's in our divine nature as human entities, as human beings, to be healthy and strong and vital. And when you look around, Richard, and you see, and Sherry, you see, you know, uh, one out of three of us is obese. One out of three of us has diabetes. There's 80 million people with multiple chronic degenerative diseases, 120 million people with uh, autoimmune diseases. One out of two of us is going to get cancer. All of this is unnecessary because in our bodies we have a healing power that, that, that manifests itself every time you have a little paper cut. And you don't have to think about that, that paper cut healing, but yet we know collagen comes to the area, new skin cells come to the area, the, the dirt and the bacteria are cleaned out of the area. All this happens spontaneously. All of this happens of its own accord, and this is what we want to learn to tap into if we want to be maximally healthy. And that, that is my mission in life, to help people understand chemistry and to help people leverage this God-given healing power that we all have access to. And will you, I want to go back a couple moments and... When you were getting your degree in pharmacology, and was it, were you already had, when you were studying pharmacology, did you already have a lean toward your nutrition? Well, and yeah, that's the, a great question. So were you, a, were you already leaning that way, or did it suddenly that's pop? That's a great you were question. Thinking, okay. Yeah, that's a great question, because I get that a lot. Like, well, you're a pharmacist. You should be selling drugs. You know? What are you doing talking about nutrition? So here's how it all started for me. Okay? I was in my 20s. I was an athlete. I was a bodybuilder, weightlifter, and I was always in the gym. I was a gym rat, basically. And in the world of uh, bodybuilding and weightlifting, you're always looking for edges. And one of the major edges that bodybuilders understood about and weightlifters understood was nutrition. So we were hip to nutrition. We were reading the muscle magazines and reading the latest nutrition. So I was already heading toward an understanding of nutrients. And when I went to pharmacy school, I was very shocked to find out that I wasn't learning how to help people, but what I was learning how to do was manage toxicity and manage side effects. And so most of my pharmacy school experience was, was studying how 
drugs are, how drugs work in the body, how they modulate or change biochemistry in the body, not in a kind and gentle way, but in a poisonous way. And this is why drugs are literally poisons. They suppress or they somehow uh, uh, artificially change biochemistry in the body. Now, uh, one, uh, parallel to this experience of learning about the toxicity of drugs and how to manage the toxicity of drugs, we were also learning about nutrition. And this is something that people don't recognize because the pharmacomedical model has kind of co-opted pharmacists and, and turned them into drug pushers. But what uh, the co regular people don't realize is that when pharmacy students are studying, uh, are getting their degree in pharmacy, one of the things we study is nutrition. But we don't study nutrition like a dietitian studies nutrition. We don't study nutrition like a, like a nutritionist studies nutrition. We don't study nutrition like a doctor studies nutrition. We study nutrition like a pharmacist studies nutrition. What do I mean by that? Well, we study the medicinal therapeutic properties of nutrients. We study the relationship between, for example, vitamin A and eyesight, or, or vitamin C and collagen production, or the B complex and energy levels. We study the therapeutic applications of nutrients, and we study diseases as if they were nutritional deficiencies. So on the one hand, I'm getting an education in the toxicity of medicine, and on the other hand, I'm learning that disease states or nutritional deficiencies, or there's a relationship between nutritional deficiencies and disease states, and nutrients can be used therapeutically. And I'm thinking to myself, and I'm already leaning towards nutrients anyway because of my, my athletic background, and so I'm thinking to myself, why the heck are we poisoning America? Why are we dispensing these drugs that have side effects and toxicities, not just minor ones, but life-threatening ones, a leading cause of death in, in prescription drugs taken as directed? And so I'm thinking to myself, we've got these nutrients that – that have therapeutic value, have no toxicity, and we've got these drugs that are tremendously toxic. You have to be extremely careful with how you dose them. You've got to be monitored and taken, uh, watched regularly when you're on prescription drugs. So I, I, I'm getting this idea, why are we doing drugs when we should be doing nutrients? So I graduate pharmacy school with this idea in my head that I'm poisoning America and there's this other alternative that nobody knows about. Keep in mind, this is 1980, the 1980s, and there weren't health food stores everywhere and there weren't vitamin stores everywhere and you can just go on Amazon and, and buy your vitamins. It was still sort of, the, it was still sort of a, this unknown world. You were still a health nut if you were supplementing. You're still you know, kind of on, on the fringes. You were an outlier. So I graduate pharmacy school in 1986. And I go into the pharmacy setting. Now, I hadn't, I'd never worked in a pharmacy. When I was in uh, pharmacy school, I got my internship hours working in a cosmetics lab, learning how to make skincare products, which is a whole other story. And so I graduate pharmacy school. I go out to the real world, and I, I realize that I am actually dispensing this poison to people. I'm actually giving people the stuff that I learned about as being poisonous. I'm the guy giving it to them. And I was very troubled by this idea. To compound the problem, nobody was getting better. I was maintaining people in their state. At best, I was maintaining people in their state of sickness. But at worst, I was, their, their uh, conditions were generating. They were, getting, they were getting more drugs, and they were getting stronger drugs. And not only that, but it wasn't everybody who was getting the drugs, but it was a small segment of the population that was getting the majority of the drugs. 20% of the population were getting 80% of the drugs, and that 20% were the weakest among us, the most fragile and vulnerable, uh, vulnerable among us, the old people and the young people, the babies, the children, and the very old people were getting most of the drugs. And sometimes they were getting 10 drugs and 11 drugs and 12 drugs. There, were, there would be people who would just have a big plastic bag filled with pill bottles, and they would just throw it on the counter, and I would have to fill 12 or 13 or 14 different medications. Now, the first year after pharmacy school, I must confess, I was making some good money. So I lived with it. 
you know, I, I have been student, a perpetual student. I was already in my mid-20s. I had a kid and I had a, a wife. And so the money was good. And for the first time, I was, I was financially stable, so I kind of lived with it. But by the second year, the money wasn't, it wasn't making up for what I was doing. And I was starting to get really troubled by this idea of really feeling guilty that I was the guy poisoning America. I knew what this stuff was. I knew I didn't want to take it. I would wear a mask when I was counting until that because I didn't even want to breathe this stuff. And this was the same stuff people were taking. So I started, to, I started to do something that was very radical for 1987 and 1988. I started to recommend nutrition for people when they got their drugs. So they would come in for their antibiotic. I would say, Shocking. you know what, maybe you want a little vitamin. Yeah, right? And maybe you want a little vitamin C with that antibiotic. Or maybe you want some probiotics wow. with that antibiotic to replace your gut flora. Or they would come in with their beta blocker, and I'd be like, you know what? You might want some magnesium. That's nature's uh, calcium channel blocker. That's a natural way to lower your blood pressure. Maybe you want some magnesium with your blood pressure medicine. And what started to happen was people started to get results, which I knew would occur. It wasn't a surprise to me. But they started to be able to wean themselves off their meds. They started to to take less medication. So I got the brilliant idea of being somewhat of an idealistic 26, 27-year-old. I got the idea, instead of recommending magnesium for people with their beta blockers, I would tell people, why don't you take magnesium instead of your beta blockers? Or I would say, why don't you take some zinc or vitamin C instead of your antibiotics? Well, yeah, needless to say, Kmart Pharmacy was not thrilled with pharmacist Ben (laughs) for recommending (laughs) recommending nutrients instead of drugs. And and one day, you know, I got the the, the dreaded visit by my district manager and the security guy. That's never a good thing when they bring the security guy back with the district manager. They took me to the back room, and they were like, I'll never forget this guy, my district manager. He says to me, Ben, you're just not cut out to be Kmart material, which I thought was hysterically funny, although I didn't laugh at the time because I got fired. But what I did was I started my own pharmacy. I started a pharmacy that had no drugs in it. And remember, this is the late 80s, early 90s. All we had was skin products, which I formulated, and nutritional products. And we had no drugs, but it was a licensed pharmacy. It was a registered pharmacy. And, and with a state board, I had to get inspected every year by the state board of pharmacy. They'd go through my, my prescriptions. They didn't find any prescriptions for drugs. It was all prescriptions for skincare and all prescriptions for things I was, I was designing. They call it compounding now. I was, it was a compounding pharmacy, and it was all for nutritional kinds of things. Uh, and it, there was no drugs in the pharmacy. And as I, I, I started to develop these protocols, nutritional protocols for people for their specific disease states, and they got better, I said to myself, i got to tell everybody. I can't just sit on this information. I can, this, these, uh, these kinds of pro- nutritional protocols can lower people's pro- blood pressure. They can drop weight with it. They can have more energy. Their autoimmune diseases can reverse. These were all things that were happening. So I decided I was just going to go start talking. I was going to do little talks, little lectures. And this is, you know, again, the early 90s, and it was still kind of rad- a radical idea. But I had people come to my lab. It was, I call it a lab, but it was a pharmacy slash lab. I had people come in, and we had a little table, and we'd sit around the table, and there first there was two people, then three people, then eventually after doing these little lectures on nutrition and how you can take care of the body with nutrition, there would be 20 people and 30 people and 40 people, and it just got, got bigger and bigger. Uh, I eventually started doing lectures, and I got a radio show, and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Now, I also was involved in a company called Longevity. I don't know if you've heard, heard about this, and that allowed me to amplify my message Longevity is a network marketing company, and that allowed me to amplify my message in a very big way. I started doing a radio program for a guy named Dr. Joel Wallach, who's one of the most brilliant and prescient and, and uh, 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 polymath. I like the word polymath because he's 
studies history and anthropology and nutrition and science and veterinary medicine. And I, I started to get involved with, with Dr. Wallach and his work, and that amplified my message to the point today where I now have a, a syndicated radio show and I do lots of speaking engagements. And with YouTube, the advent of YouTube 10 years ago, you know, you can't, it's hard to believe YouTube is only 10 years old, but with the advent of YouTube, wow. you can, if you have a message, if you have something to say, you can really amplify it to the point where people are, are listening to you, you know, halfway, literally around the world, on the other side of the globe, you're getting your message across, which is, which is totally amazing to me. And that's, that's kind of, in a short, that's kind of the, nut, the, uh, uh, the uh, in a nutshell, how I got into doing what I call nutritional pharmacy. Right. And that's why I kind, kindly and generously called you possessed, because you are. And that's really that, – that's an amazing positive force for change. And that's why I said that about yes. you in the intro, That's really it is a force for change. And uh, yes. so I want to move into a my, question of – oh, go ahead. I was going to say this is a spiritual mission for me too. This is not just – I'm not just here you know, to, take, to help people with their diabetes or help people with their weight loss. I'm here to empower people. My mission in life is to empower people in all ways. And I believe, I've come to believe that disease and sickness is not just physical. It's mental, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. I call it SMEP, S-M-E-P, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, in that order, by the way. And all crisis, all health crisis, all health challenges to me have a spiritual component, a sense of disconnection from the universe, a sense of disconnection from our divine power, that we, our divine healing power that we talked about earlier. You know, the word heal comes from whole. It, comes, it means to be whole, to be connected. So there's a sense of disconnection that is at the root of all disease, a sense that we're not connected to the universe, that we're separated from all that is, which is a lot, can't possibly be true. We live in a unified field. It's an illusion. And that's at the core of everything, the sense that we are not protected, that we are on our own, that we're marooned somehow in this ocean of nothingness and we're all by ourselves. And that's at the core of all disease, I believe. And that's where we really need to be focusing on if we're sick, first and foremost. Then there's this, the stinking thinking aspect, as I'm sure you're aware of. You know, every time you think a thought, a hormone is produced for, for better or for worse, a building hormone or a breaking down hormone, likewise with emotions and feelings. And then at the bottom of these four levels, these four healing dimensions or these four levels of being, you have the physical, uh, the, the physical level, and that also has to be addressed through good breathing, good food, laying off of processed food, making sure you're, you're getting nutritional supplements, exercising, moving your body, et cetera. So I, my mission in life is not just to get, help people understand supplementation and nutrition, but to empower all levels of being, spiritually, empower them at all levels of being, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, as well as physically. And that's a whole separate show. We'll have you back to have that's that That's a whole separate show, that. yeah. That's a whole wheel. That's a lot of conversation right there. And we might bring in Pam Osley to bring into that conversation. That would be fun, too. Um, I want to jump into a more physical question. Why, what, what do all chronic degenerative, degenerative diseases have in common? And why, do we have so mu- and why do we have so much of it? Great question. That's such a powerful, important question. Uh, here's what they all have in common. And, and it's very easy etymologically to understand this. We say people are, have disease. What does that mean? Dis-ease. They're out of ease. The body has two ways of perceiving the world. You know, we live in our bodies, and we're, one of the main jobs of the body, maybe even the main job of the body, is to somehow interpret the outside world so that the inside world can adjust. The inside world is responsive to the outside world. The body is responsive to the environment that the body is in. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Right? Does yes. that make sense? Okay. So the body is in, we're, we're here in our bodies and the outside world is outside and the job of the body is somehow to be responsive to the environment. 
So how does the body perceive the environment? Well, it perceives it through something we call the nervous system. The nervous system, with its, with its, with its extensions as the senses, the sense of touch, the sense of taste, the sense of, 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 of sight, the sense of smell, uh, these, uh, the sense of sound, obviously. These are the five main senses, but there's other senses, too. They call it extrasensory perception. We don't need to go into that. But there's all these multiple ways that the nervous system senses the environment. It tells the body what's happening, and then the body adjusts accordingly. This is a remarkable system. And the body adjusts accordingly per with perfection when, it's, when it has everything it needs, when it has all the raw materials it needs. However, the, the, the take-home message here is that the nervous system has two compartments, two sections. So we interpret the, uh, the environment in two different ways. We interpret the environment from a sense of survival, and we interpret the environment from a sense of thrival. Now, the sense of survival is what keeps us alive. The sense of thrival is what keeps us evolving. The sense of survival is what keeps us alive in a pinch. The sense of thrival is what keeps us growing and getting better. And you can't so you can't interpret the world in both ways. You're either interpreting the world through survival, through the senses of survival, the neurological compartment of survival, or you're interpreting the world through the neurological compartment of thrival. Now, we, we have other words to use instead of survival and thrival. We say safety, and that's the, uh, the safety mechanism, that's the, the safety compartment, and then there's the, uh, the growth, the, the, uh, uh, growth compartment the getting better compartment. If we see the world as, as, as a threat, we're not going to be able to grow. However, we, we will survive. If a lion is chasing you, you don't have time to worry about growing and thriving and evolving. You want to get away from the lion. Now, the nervous system that controls survival is called the sympathetic nervous system. The nervous system that controls, or the compartment of the nervous system that controls thrival is called the para sympathetic nervous system. Have you heard those terms before? The sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system? This is the nervous yeah. system. These are the two nervous system compartments. One regulates safety. The other regulates uh, growth. And, and uh, I, I, the only word I can think of is thrival, but you can think of like growth, evolution, getting better. Uh, you, can't, you can't activate that mode of being until you're surviving. So if you're strictly in a survival mode of being, you're not going to be able to thrive and grow and repair. Most of us are running way sympathetic because we're living in fear. Now, this fear mode is all, uh, that, that the sympathetic nervous system regulates is what raises our blood pressure. It's what shuts down our digestive system. It's what slows up our thyroid. It's what suppresses our immune system and our ability to fight diseases. It turns off growth and repair. It keeps us from having good bowel movements. It redirects blood flow from the front of your brain where you have creative ideas to the back of your brain where you have... Uh, uh, where you uh, have fight or flight uh, activity, the, the uh, reptilian brain is actually what they call it, redirects blood flow to the reptilian brain. Uh, it keeps us from being fertile. It makes us have sweats and uh, night flashes, uh, uh, hot flashes at night. It causes insomnia and depression and anxiety issues. A simple way of thinking what, what the, how the sympathetic nervous system works is think of a woman who's going through menopausal symptoms. Menopausal symptoms, you know, the dreaded menopause, uh, is really a classic example of an activation of the sympathetic nervous system. The point I'm making is when the sympathetic nervous system is activated and hyperactive, we are out of ease. We are in dis-ease. This is what all disease has in common, period. This is the main thread that underlies everything. It's a chronic degenerative disease. 
and I'm talking from cancer to heart disease to acne and, and eczema and everything in between. It all is the manifestation of an activated stress response. And the key to getting out of this, out of this uh, activated stress response that shuts down healing and growth and repair and, and uh, causes us to age at an accelerated pace and keeps us constipated and infertile and anxious and all the crappy things that we hate about being alive is to figure out how to go from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system. And interestingly, I don't want to bring spirituality into this too much because, like you say, it's a vast topic and we can have it on another show. But this safety nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system that kicks in when we're safe, is what religious people mean by being saved. They say you have to be saved. To be saved means to be safe, to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Jesus tells us in the Bible you can't, be with, you, you can't serve two masters, meaning you can't serve the parasympathetic and the sympathetic at the same time. You're either net parasympathetic, net safe, or you're net sympathetic, net survival. And the key to health, the key to wellness is to figure out, and I can tell you how to do this, this is one of the things I teach, is to figure out how to turn on that parasympathetic nervous system and tell the sympathetic nervous system to stand down. And there's multiple ways that you do that. And any disease state that you have, from diabetes to cancer, will begin to subside once the body feels that it is safe. And there's many ways that you can do that. Does that make sense? Yes. And I explain so, that okay? Just so I have it in my mind, so how I think about this as I hear you speak about it, is that so when we're not in parasympathetic mode, I would use the term that our body is in a constricted state because it's really in that survival lion's tiger. Like a potato bug. Like a, right, it's, like a potato uh, bug. You ever see a potato bug right, when, you, when you press it, it curls up in a ball? Sure. That's, what yeah. that's, that's, exact, that's exactly what it is. We constrict. We, we curl up in a protective ball. In fact, if it gets bad enough, you'll literally go into a fetal position. You'll literally curl up into a ball if it gets really bad. I mean, if you, God forbid, had a horrible, horrible thing happen to you, you would automatically curl your body up into a fetal position. You would literally be like a potato bug. So, yes, your, your metaphor is apt. It's not just a metaphor. It's actually literal. The body constricts. It curls up. And that's, that, that's the classic sign of aging. You know, the classic sign of aging is the body constricting, you know, the, the hunched over appearance and the shrinking and the, the shriveling up of bones. That's the manifestation of 80 years of, or 70 years, 60 years of living in this, over, in, in this sympathetic uh, nervous system uh, uh, state of being. And when we're in the sympathetic, in a chronic state of sympathetic or survival mode, then is our body reacting to that? Is on a cellular level, is our body reacting that yes. by creating, Your having inflammation in the most exacerbated places? All of it. All of it. All of it. Your cells are just like your body is shriveling, your cells are shriveling. And by the way, this word inflammation is a very interesting word. We hear it all the time, but we never really understand what it is. And, and we never really tease it apart in, in order to understand how inflammation shows up in the body. See, when we hear inflammation, when people hear the word inflammation, they think of a broken bone or maybe a black eye or, you know, you, you bump your knee and it swells up, right? That's the classic inflammation. That's what most people think of. But that's unfortunate that that's what most people think of because there's another kind of inflammation that we never think of that, we, that really is at the core of all, uh, you know, we talked about survival, the survival state of being as being at the, the core of all disease states. Well, the survival way of being manifests itself as inflammation. Inflammation is an airbag going off in your body to protect it. So when you have a broken leg, you have inflammation at the side of the brake as a protective response. 
this is an amazing thing, really. The inflammatory response is part of the body's healing uh, way of healing. It kind of protects that break. So you, so you break a bone, right? You get inflammation around the bone. The body has this brilliant wisdom to be able to know to secrete fluids and fiber and all of this kind of gushy, cushiony stuff to protect the break, right? However, there's another kind of inflammation, another kind of protective, uh, protective response that occurs microscopically that we don't see, that is perpetually happening inside our bodies. Now, if it happens once in a while, like it's supposed to, that's not a big deal. But when it happens, this micro-inflammatory response happens chronically over the course of years and decades and a lifetime, eventually large pockets of the body become barricaded from nutrition, become barricaded from oxygen, become barricaded from uh, detoxification. In other words, the airbag going off in your car is great, but you don't want it all, on all the time. You're not going to be able to drive your car. So once in a while, this microinflammatory response that occurs in, 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 in this microinflammatory activity that occurs in response to strengths, uh, wear and tear on cells is okay. But when it happens over and over and over again, based on the wrong, eating the wrong kinds of foods, nutritional deficiency, not having enough oxygen, accumulation of toxicity, wrong thinking, wrong feelings, spiritual disconnection, eventually you get these large pockets of cellular material that aren't able to get fed, aren't able to get oxygenated, and aren't able to remove their toxins. In fact, this is really the cause of all disease, cellular starvation, suffocation, and toxification, which leads to inflammation, which leads to more cellular starvation, suffocation, and toxification, which leads to more inflammation, and that's it. That's the only thing you need to do to get healthy again is to figure out how to activate the rest and digest or the parasympathetic nervous system, I call it the rest and digest nervous system, as opposed to the fight or flight nervous system, to figure out how to activate the sympathetic nervous system and then to feed the cells, to uh, oxygenate the cells, and to improve detoxification. And, that's, and, and let me tell you something, Richard. The beautiful thing about that model that I just told you, and Sherry, the beautiful thing about that model is it requires no medical intervention, period. Zero doctors. A doctor can only muck up the works. A pharmacist can only muck up the works. None of what I said just in the last 20 minutes or 25 minutes involves medical knowledge. It doesn't involve a degree. You don't have to have some kind of complicated biochemical, biochemistry background to understand it. It is just common sense. The body is in this defensive mode. The defensive mode shuts off growth and repair in the name of survival. This defensive mode is initiated by a lack of nutrition, by a lack of oxygen, and by an accumulation of toxicity on the physical level and then the spiritual and the emotional and the, uh, and the uh, uh, mental incorrect ways of being. That's it. That's all health and that's all disease. And uh, conversely, that's all health and wellness if you address those, those issues. It's so liberating. That's the thing about the human oh, – go ahead, Sherry. That just sounds like a lot to do. Do you have a, a check sheet yes, where easy, people can start? Easy. Oh, my God. Breathe. Get oxygen. That's the most important thing, more important than food, more important from physical. Now, again, I'm not gonna, I don't want people to get the idea that it's only physical, but we're not going to talk about the spiritual, the mental, and emotional, because like you say, this is a, it's a huge topic that we can talk for hours about. I'm not going to go there, but I don't want people to think that it's only physical. So once we're okay there, from a physical perspective, breathing is the most important thing to do. When you oxygenate correctly, and that means oxygenating as well as blowing off carbon dioxide, you tell the body it's safe. When the body, there's a lack of oxygen, that immediately kicks, uh, causes the sympathetic nervous system to kick in. 
So, and you can observe this for yourself simply by taking a blood pressure cuff. One of the easiest markers of, hyper, of uh, an activated sympathetic nervous system stress response is hypertension, which, by the way, doctors call essential hypertension because they don't know what's causing it. And I'm telling you what's causing it. It's caused by the, an activated stress response, an activated sympathetic nervous system. So you get a blood pressure cuff. You sit on it. You take your blood pressure. They like, you know, for most people it's going to be, you know, or if it's a little bit high, it'll be like 140-ish or you know, 140 over 90 or something like that. Sit on the couch, breathe correctly for five minutes, take your blood pressure again. Guess what will happen? Your blood pressure will drop like a stone. And even better, if you don't, want to sit, you don't want to take the five minutes to breathe, sit in a hot bath or a warm bath. Not a hot bath, but a warm bath. Or take a warm shower. Taking a warm shower and a warm bath is the best an incredibly fast way to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Do you ever notice, Sherry and, and Richard, how you're taking a shower and, and, like, you don't want to get out of the shower? You ever notice how people, like, banging on the door and, and, and you're sitting in the shower? You don't want to get out. You're like, you look at your foot or your knee, you say, I can, you make up parts of the body that you can wash again. You're like, oh, I can wash that part again because you don't want to get out of the shower, right? Why is that? Well, when you're in a warm shower, you've activated the parasympathetic nervous system. Your blood pressure drops. Your uh, immune system improves. You're fighting cancer. You're improving growth and repair. Your body is expanding instead of contracting, as you described so aptly a moment ago, Richard. You're uh, uh, redirecting blood flow from the back of your brain, where you're fight or flight, your reptilian brain, into the front of your brain. You ever notice they have great ideas when you're in the shower? That's because you're activating the parasympathetic <laughs> nervous system. A hot tub is the same way. You know, sit in a hot bath. Why do we all love hot tubs? And why are hot tubs associated with sexuality and fertility? It's because when you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, you're more sexual and you're more fertile. So all of these mechanisms, a hot shower, a hot bath, deep breathing, these are things that are so easy for us to leverage from the comfort of our own bathroom, from the comfort of our own living room. You can, you can fight cancer and you can lower your blood pressure and you can improve your, your autoimmune disease symptomology sitting on the couch watching TV better than any drug if you simply leverage oxygenation. That's as simple as that. Other ways, gratitude. Here's another great one for you. You know how people, how we're all, people say grace before meals, right? What is grace? Grace is when you're grateful for your meal. That's what grace is. Well, guess what happens when you're grateful? You activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Being, having gratitude for being alive, having gratitude for all the good things in your life activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, how hard is that to do? And, I mean, it sounds airy-fairy, but it's neurological, it's hormonal, it's biochemical, it's not airy-fairy. It's literally hardcore biochemistry science. When you say grace, when you breathe deeply, when you take a hot shower, when you uh, fast, uh, when you stop, or lower your calories, when you don't interact with sugar or other toxic foods, you, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Just petting a dog will activate the parasympathetic nervous system. That's why they give dogs the uh, Iraqi war vets. People have PTSD when they've been to Afghanistan or Iraq, they give them dogs. Why? Because when you pet a dog, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system. When you love something that is vulnerable, when we're with somebody who's vulnerable or we're with a child who's vulnerable or when we're with an animal who's vulnerable, guess what that does? That makes us feel safe because now we have, we're, we're in a non, the being that we're with is non-threatening because they're vulnerable, that activates the parasympathetic nervous system. These are all wonderful strategies that we can use, easy, take minutes, and they're all, one of the beautiful things about them is you feel good. The beautiful thing about activating the parasympathetic nervous system is you feel good. 
The system is set up so you feel good in a hot tub. So you'll go in a hot tub. You feel good when you take a hot shower. You feel good when you practice your slow, deep breathing. I call it SDR breathing, slow, deep, rhythmic breathing. Anything that's rhythmic, by the way, will activate the parasympathetic nervous system. If you have problems sleeping, that, and you know how many people have insomnia, right? If you have problems sleeping, that's a classic sign that you're in sympathetic overdrive. So just listening to a metronome or listening to a rhythmic sound or listening to a body sound, that also activates the parasympathetic nervous system. They have this thing called mindfulness training now. And this is not airy-fairy either. There's a, a mindfulness school at Harvard, Harvard Medical School, Johns Hopkins, UCLA Medical School. They're all mainstream medical institutions. They all have mindfulness programs. Why? Because when you're mindful, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which lowers your blood pressure, supports immunity, anti-ages you, makes your skin look better, reduces the symptomology of chronic degenerative disease. So it may sound like there's a lot of things to do, but they're very, very simple. It's as simple as just listening to your breathing. Well, one of the things in there that I, from everything that you just said, one of the things that I think is really, for me, a key point is the all of those things bring you into the moment. And I think Absolutely. that's one of the, the gifts of having that is that's when right. you're in the now, when you're that's here right. now, that's right. your that's body right. goes, oh, I'm not over there. You know I'm not why? worried about the because dragon behind the hill. I'm actually breathing. Yeah, I'm here. Yes, because so. you know what? The body lives in the now. The mind lives in the past and future. The body only lives in the now. So simply by paying attention to the body, you automatically go into the now. Eckhart Tolle, I'm sure you know Eckhart Tolle, he talks about imagining your hand to go into the now. Have you, ever, have you read that? You know, he says in Power of Now, he talks about, think about your hand. Well, what he means is, don't think about your hand necessarily, but think about your body, because the body is here in the now. The mind creates this illusion of past and future. There's no past and future. These are just illusions of the mind. When you turn, that in, when you, uh, turn your awareness back into the body, you automatically go into the now, and that's exactly what you're doing. The now is always perfect, Richard and Sherry. Is there anything wrong right now? Never. The only problems we have are the past and in the future. Right now, we are complete and perfect. And yet our mind, as wonderful as the mind is, you know, I love my mind. I'm not going to anything. You know, I don't want to get rid of my mind. But we have to learn that the mind is a servant. The mind is here to, be, to serve us. Not, we're not here to serve the mind. Unfortunately, that's the way the world is structured is we're here to serve the mind because you're not going to buy deodorant if you're only in your body. You only buy deodorant if you're afraid you're not going to have friends. So we need to sell deodorant. So we, we create this environment of fear to sell deodorant. And fear is false evidence appearing real. It's where you have this mental creation that is somehow inter, interfering with your present, with present moment awareness. And that's, not only is what you said very true, but it's even worse than that because it's actually manipulated. We are manipulated to be fearful. We are manipulated to be scared. We're manipulated to be mental and to be emotional. And, and, and unfortunately, we're manipulated not, in our own best, not for our own best interest, but to sell deodorant and soap and cars and everything else in this consumer culture of ours. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump the shark here, uh, but this is as important, I think, as everything else we've talked about, is why do you think salt has such a bad rap? <laughs> and I know, you're an, I know you're an advocate, but I mean, what is that? What's up with salt being the bad guy? Because doctors and the, the you know what a meme is? Have you heard of the term a meme, right? Yep. Memes are mind viruses. And we, our culture is filled with mind viruses. And the medical model has, has perpetuated so much, 
mimetic nonsense, stupidity, absolute, and that's, this is why I have such little regard for the medical model. And, and I should say this, there's two kinds of medicine. There's heroic medicine, and then there's uh, ambulatory medicine. Heroic medicine is the medicine of, of stitching you back up after you get into an accident. That's awesome stuff. And I will never, you'll never hear me denigrating or, or dismissing the importance of heroic medicine. We live in a world where entropy happens, you know. That's just like the bumper sticker says. Entropy doesn't say entropy, but you know what I'm talking about. Stuff happens. And so you need to be stitched up, okay. And that's heroic medicine. Heroic medicine that stitches us up is medicine at its finest. However, the second type of medicine is ambulatory medicine. And just like heroic medicine, the medicine of stitching us up after we get into an accident, is this amazing, mind-blowing skill set. Uh, and really, heroic medical practitioners get an A-plus in their job and what they do. If anybody who's you know, had a broken bone repaired or had a finger stitch on back onto their body or had a transplanted kidney or you know, any of the miracles of medicine are mostly in the realm of heroic medicine. Ambulatory medicine gets an F-minus. The ignorance that is spewed by the medical model in terms of taking care of our bodies in a, in a, a day-to-day fashion is so pathetic and so retarded and so backwards and so stupid. The, the superstitions that you hear from your doctor about cholesterol and about salt and about uh, uh, skincare products and about using prescription drugs and about how marginalizing nutritional, uh, nutritional supplementation, the absolute stupidity that spews out of the medical model, doesn't, it doesn't shock me anymore. It just makes me sad. It used, to, it used to blow me away, the stupid things I heard doctors say. Now it just makes me angry because I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm out there trying to help people, and then i got to hear this doctor say, oh, you can't eat eggs because it's got cholesterol. And cholesterol causes heart disease, and you got to have – none of this is true. Or that salt will raise your blood pressure. None of this nonsense is true. Or that saturated fat, you've got to avoid coconut oil and saturated fat. None of this is true. Salt is a major, major stress, chem, uh, stress molecule. And by the way, when you say salt, we're talking sodium chloride. There's all kinds of different salts. But the major salt people talk about is table salt, which is sodium chloride. When you're under duress, you burn through salt. When you're sympathetic, you burn through salt. When your body is in survival mode, it burns through salt. We are all in survival mode. We are all in stress mode. We are all running on sympathetic overdrive, most of us anyway. And so we need more salt, not less salt. The the system that regulates blood pressure is your kidneys and your adrenal glands to a certain extent. When you have high blood pressure... You have a kidney problem and an adrenal gland problem, not a salt problem. And so the, the stupidity of this idea of lowering salt not only doesn't, doesn't serve you, uh, serve you uh, uh, help you lower your blood pressure, but it ruins your health because salt is a stress molecule. And so what we end up, have, what we end up doing is we go out and we eat salty foods because nobody can lower their salt because your body demands it because it's a stress molecule. So then we go out and eat pizza and potato chips and all the ways that we get salt in, in foods instead of getting salt from, from uh, a, a good quality salt like Celtic, like Celtic sea salt or Himalayan salt in, our, uh, in the foods that we eat. So we go out and we get processed salty foods, and that introduces not just salt, but it introduces fat, a fried fat or cooked fat. It introduces process, processing chemicals into the body. It introduces more sugar into the body. So what I tell people is, what you want to do is you want to put a little bit of salt, Celtic sea salt or Himalayan salt, in water, and you want to drink it, but not the whole glass of water. Just sip on it. And what will happen for most people, especially if you're under stress, is the first sip of salt water will be so delicious to you, you won't believe how delicious salt water can be, just salt and water. The second 
sip you take will be less delicious, and the third will be less, and by the fourth or fifth, you won't want any more salt. And they could put potato chips in front of you or Fritos or corn chips or Doritos or whatever your, your favorite salty food is, and you're not going to want it because you've had enough salt. But if you're depriving yourself of salt, you're not going to be able to stop eating the chips. And make no mistake about it, the chip companies know this good and well. And so they spike their chips with all kinds of chemicals that keep you eating. They know how our brains work. We eat from our brains, by the way, not from our bodies. So by tapping into, by hacking into brain chemistry with chemicals, you, uh, you, we create a situation where we can't stop eating the chips. So what you do is you be proactive by drinking salt, by making sure you're having quality salt in water, sipping on it slowly. You'll feel great. And then when, you don't want, when, when you're done, your body will just say, I've had enough. And that's the, our normal state of being. Our body will say, we've had enough. Instead of eating from our brains, instead of uh, eating under conditions of nutrient deficiency and salt deficiency, when we eat from a condition of plenty, when we have all the nutrients we need in our food and we have all the nutrients present in our, uh, in our body in the appropriate amounts, we're not going to overeat. We won't eat too much salt. We're not going to select the wrong kinds of foods. And again, it just boils down to listening to the body and trusting the body, trusting this inherent wisdom that's built into all of us. And I also think that the kind of salts that you're talking about are what I call whole foods because they're whole substances. Whole they're not iodized. Right. They're not the little girl that's in the box right. that's been purified that's to a super. Right. It's a whole food. You got so it. I think that all those trace elements that are in there are beneficial to the whole Absolutely. electrical system that is the body. I mean, it's a food. Correct. I think if salt is a food. Yeah, it is a that. food. Absolutely, it's a food. You know, the word salary comes from salt. It used to be treasured salt. Salt They used to pay Roman soldiers off in salt. Salt was more precious than gold for eons, really. I mean, nobody, we couldn't use gold uh, 5,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. What is gold going to get you? But we could use salt. Salt is important for – you can't live without salt, without sodium and chloride. So, and and yeah. also, as you, as you point out, astutely point out there, it's not just sodium and chloride. There's 90 elements that you need, 90-plus elements that you need. And, and I was listening – you know, Sherry – I know Sherry's still with us, but Sherry's work is so important, this whole nature of bioacoustics. That's how salt works. Salt works the way sound works. That's how nutrition works. That's how chemistry works. Chemistry works the same way sound works. It's all the same thing. When you – salt has a musical – you can actually detect a musical vibration coming off of salt. You can detect a musical vibration coming off of uh, all the elements in the body. And, of course, because we are all ele- we're all made up of the elements you know, on the periodic table, and the elements sing a song, we are singing a song. So uh, Sherry's work with bioacoustics, detecting cancer and detecting uh, disease states and, and probably detecting health through bioacoustics makes perfect sense. In the, because we are <coughs> ultimately sound beings singing songs. There's a music that our body is playing. And so you can, do, you can detect the disease through the voice, but you can also detect disease through the song, songs that the elements of the body sing. Absolutely. We have three audience questions, and they're kind of related. Yes. One, there's lots and lots of information here. How do we pull it together? Did you write a book? Do you have a blog? How can we get in touch with you? Okay. Okay. So lots of different ways. And I got, you know, it is tons of information, but I don't want people to be confused by all of the information because the information should be just considered fun and interesting. The real bottom line to this whole thing is, is that we can tune into our bodies and be healthy by simply recognizing what we have. We can tune into our breath. We can tune into our muscles, whether they're contracted or, or, whether, they're, uh, or whether they're relaxed. We can tune into our heartbeat. We can tune into all of these systems in the body 
we are self-contained in that sense. We don't need to go to an outside authority to do this. So things like breathing, eating less food, calorie restriction, intermittent fasting, uh, uh, moving your body, stretching, yoga, meditation, all of these are simple ways that we can leverage this vast amount of information that we have just uh, you know, talked about here for the last 35, 40 minutes. That being said, I do have a radio program every day. We talk about these ideas every day. There's archives. Uh, like six years of archive programs, tons of information there. The program is called The Bright Side, which I named because I was sick of all the negative stuff that's out, in, out on the airways. I wanted to be the good news about health. It says that we can get better on our own. So you can go to Brightside, uh, brightsideben.com. That's my radio show. Uh, you can listen on that uh, via uh, the webpage, brightsideben.com. I also have a blog, pharmacistben.com and criticalhealthnews.com. And all my programs are archived at benfuchsarchives.com. And if you just Google Pharmacist Ben, and uh, like I was talking to you, Richard, earlier about YouTube, in the last 10 years, you can, from the comfort of, you know, sitting here in my pajamas, I can do YouTube videos, and you can watch them forever all over the planet, maybe even inter intergalactically, maybe they're looking at YouTube, for all we know. So you can just Google Pharmacist Ben, uh, uh, and you'll get page after page after page of interviews that I've done, of, of, of uh, uh, YouTube videos that I've posted, my radio show, my blog, my articles. Just go to Pharmacist Ben. And just Google Pharmacist Ben or go to YouTube and search Pharmacist Ben. But listen to my radio show. I really want to get people involved with the right side. When is it on? Well, it's on every day, five days a week, uh, nine, to 10 to, nine, 9 to 10 Mountain Standard Time, 8 to 9 Pacific, 10 to 11 Central. Every day. And also, there's We're a boatload of videos. If you go to if you go to YouTube and search for Pharmacist Ben, there's a boatload of great conversations you have there on a variety of. I, I forget the yeah. one show, uh, but you've been there. I mean, there's a bunch of great information, and yeah, you know, in, in snippets. Yeah, but the show, right. the radio show, is really good. And I and I would say that, like, I found the radio show by going to my podcast app. And I searched for Pharmacist Ben, and now I'm subscribed to your show. And it's really oh, awesome. it, it's you, good listening. Yes, and I do uh, fluoride. I'm, we're talking about fluoride now, so if anybody's interested in that subject, fluoride and thyroid and fluoride and bones. Fluoride's a really nasty substance that's added to water. That's a whole other thing we could talk about. Um, I also want to give my, my skin, uh, skin health products a, a plug, truthtreatments.com. That's my real path. You know, I love nutrition, I love chemistry, and like I was saying earlier, if you know chemistry, you can do all kinds of different things. But one of my favorite things to do is formulate skin products. And the, and, and the skin is very interesting to me in the sense that, you know, if you have heart disease or you have diabetes, that's bad, obviously. But when you have a skin problem, like psoriasis or eczema, not only is it bad, but you're actually announcing it to the world through your skin. So skin issues seem to me to be especially tragic, particularly when they happen to children or kids. And so I made, made it my life's work to help people understand the skin and how to leverage skin health products to treat the skin as well as nutritional, nutritional supplements to treat the skin. So if you go to Truth Treatments, that's a plural, truthtreatments.com, uh, you'll get my, all my skin health stuff and my skin blog and the products that I've formulated. And, and I'm continuously formulating new products too. Well, also, do you feel that uh, aren't part of the issues with skin reflected by what's going on on the inside? I mean, you're neutrifying from both sides. Because really, this, the 100%. tissue, the skin is just a sack to hold all the loose, wet, sloppy parts that make person really together. <laughs> well, And so it's permeable. Quite. It's a great nutritive vehicle. Not, well, kind of. Well, right. not quite. Not quite. So, because the right. very top of the skin, which is about as thin as one-tenth of a piece of paper, 
take a picture of a piece of notebook paper in your mind's eye and then divide it by 10, the, the thickness by 10, that thin layer is like a layer of fingernail that holds everything in. That's where you're right. That's, that holds everything in. But underneath that thin layer, you have skin, uh, maybe 10 pieces of notebook paper compared to the one-tenth of a one piece of notebook paper. You have another 10 sheets of notebook paper that is very dynamic and very viable. Very, it's growing, it's moving, it's sucking up nutrients, it's processing toxins. There's a lot of, a lot of, just a veritable beehive of activity underneath that one tenth of a piece of notebook paper that's kind of like a, kind of like painted on the surface. Underneath there, you have, you know, still waters run deep, and underneath there, you've got all kinds of activity, and that's really where you need to be. Now, you, if you want to help heal the skin, or you want to have beautiful skin, you have to be underneath that fingernail like one-tenth of a piece of notebook paper. But your point is well taken in that you can feed it mostly. In fact, most of the ways we feed that viable tissue, that living cells underneath there is through food and through, nutri through nutritional supplementation, as well as through oxygenation and activating the parasympathetic nervous system and all the things we just talked about. But the beautiful thing about the skin is you can actually feed the skin from the top down too. If you know how to leverage uh, the pathways that run from that dead or fingernail-like material on the surface to the viable living cells underneath, if you know how to get stuff through there, you can actually do some really wonderful things with topical products. And that's one of the things I learned in pharmacy school, and I've been formulating skincare products ever since. One of the things our audience is interested in always is they want to know how to make things better. And we have a question that you probably can't answer in the amount of time we have, but you could tell them what to do about it. And the question is, how did money become more important than health, and what can we do about it? How did money become more important than health? That is a great question, because of survival. We, we've been led to believe, uh, we've not led to believe, we've created a culture where we depend on money for survival. And under, when we have lack of money, we have turned that into a lack of health. And because we've been convinced that the symbol, the, the map is the territory. Money is a symbol. Money is a piece of paper, right? What, what is money, really? It's just a piece of paper with a dead president on it. It doesn't, it doesn't have any inherent value. We've been hypnotized into believing it has value. That's a hypnotic trick that's performed by black magicians. You ever go to stage hypnotist? The stage hypnotist will tell you that there's a dog behind you and, and, and you'll run even though there's no dog behind you. That's hypnosis. Well, black, black magicians have created this hypnotic idea that money has some kind of inherent value, and we bought into it from the time we're born. And it's just conditioning and it's programming. And that's how it occurred. And it didn't occur in the interest of humanity. It occurred in the interest of power and centralization of power. Because when you can create, when you can create a situation where the symbol called money is where power is, now he who controls the money will control everything else. And that's why it, that's what happened. Uh, that's that's how the origination of money is as a control trip, as a, as a power trip to control people. And it's unfortunate. But we still have the power. We're only, it's like a, you know, if you train an elephant, if you take a baby elephant and you tie its leg to a post and, you, and it can't move the post when it's a baby, it will still think that even when it's a huge elephant that would have no problem pulling that post out, it will still think it can't pull the post out because it was trained from the time it was a baby to not be able to pull the post out of the ground. It, it, it actually learns to be helpless. It's conditioned to be helpless, and this is, this is not just a, a state of being a state uh, that elephants, for training elephants, it's a state for training humans. We learn to be helpless, and we learn to depend on outside authorities, and it doesn't serve us. And it unfortunately has created this tragic situation with our health that people like you and, you know, you, Sherry and Richard and myself and a lot of other folks are trying to wake people up to. 
This has been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show. Um, we're going to have you back lots more if you have the time Thank to do you, it. Sherry. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your work too. You're doing great work, Sherry. The whole bio, we need to understand the fundamental nature of acoustics and bioacoustics and cymatics. I'm sure you know what cymatics is and how powerful our voices are and our words are, the words we speak are uh, in, when it comes to how our body reacts how our body functions, and, and it's beautiful work that you're doing. And thank you, Richard, as well. That was a blast. I knew it was going to be uh, like a drag strip that we'd peel out and it would, you know, suddenly we'd be here. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but it was All a right. great show. That's our life. Uh, you, you just described know. life. Richard, you just described our lives. <laughs> life. And the trick, is, and the trick is to pick... And the trick is, I think, to pick times to, like, be in gratitude and pause for a moment and just be in that moment because in that moment all your cells are going, wait, we're here waiting for you to figure that out. It's an amazing thing. Yes, and there's such such bliss available to us at all times, such bliss, such beauty, rapture available to us at all times. All right, everybody. That's a great note to end on. Uh, Thank you so much, Ben. We will definitely have you back. There's so many more conversations. And uh, thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have fun on the road, Cherry. (laughs) Bye-bye. Later. (laughs) 